Hi, this is Tara Newman from the Bold Leadership Revolution, and you're listening to the Inspiration Place podcast with Miriam Shulman. Today's episode is sponsored by The Artist Incubator. If you're wondering how to skyrocket your success as a professional artist, step by step, and if you're ready to start investing in your art career, you're in the right place. I've done it and I can show you how to do it too using the passion to profit framework. To learn more, go to shulmanart.com forward slash biz. That's B-I-Z. It's the Inspiration Place podcast with artist Miriam Shulman. Welcome to the Inspiration Place podcast, an art world insider podcast for artists by an artist, where each week we go behind the scenes to uncover the perspiration and inspiration behind the art. And now, your host, Miriam Shulman. Well, hello, this is your host, artist Miriam Shulman, and you're listening to episode number 78 of the Inspiration Place podcast. I am thrilled that you're here. Today, we're talking all about busting that starving artist mindset and being more open to abundance. So in this episode, you'll discover how to be open to receiving more in your business and your life. We'll also talk about five strategies that help you receive more abundance and how to practice being more receptive to abundance. But before we get there, I wanted to make sure you knew about today's freebie. Since today's guest uses a lot of journaling exercises with her clients, I've created a art journal tutorial using the Wheel of Life framework. It's actually one of the bonus lessons I've included inside the Inspired Insiders Club, but you can watch it today absolutely free. You can find today's freebie by visiting shulmanart.com forward slash wheel, or you can just find the link in today's show notes, shulmanart.com forward slash 78. All right, now to the show. With over 20 years experience and a master's degree in organizational psychology, today's guest is a results-driven coach who uses the skills learned in her corporate career to support executives and entrepreneurs looking to transform themselves on both a personal and professional level. Please welcome to the Inspiration Place, Tara Newman. Hey, Tara, welcome to the show. Hey, Miriam, I'm super excited to be here. Tara is one of my real life friends, as well as someone I truly admire in the online space. And the reason I invited you, Tara, is because in the artist communities, like the starving artist mindset mentality is rampant. And you have some really beautiful ways to being more open to receiving. So I know this is something, you know, we all need to always be Mm -hmm. opening ourselves to more abundance. So this is something that I know I need to work on and my audience does as well. You know, it's interesting because I was raised in the art business. You were? And uh my grandfather, he had a starving artist mentality. And so I'm actually the byproduct of multiple generations of that belief system. And he was an author and an illustrator and a cartoonist. He was an inker in 19, the 1950s for Marvel Comics. Oh, wow. And he was like one of the originators of some of those characters that we love the most. 
And then my father owned a bronze casting foundry and was in the art gallery business my entire life growing up. I have no idea. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Thanks for sharing that. If you're in Washington, D.C. and you see the three servicemen, the Vietnam Memorial, my dad was commissioned to bronze that. He worked with the artist to create that sculpture. That's fantastic. Now, did you yeah. pursue any art at all or did you want to go a different path? What's your story with that? So in my house, if you couldn't draw... <laughs> You aren't an artist. Okay. You aren't creative at all. But I actually, I like to write and I find myself really creative and I find that my business is a huge creative outlet for me. Mm, me too. Mm-hmm. I mean, just everything about it, even just creating these podcasts. I have a lot of fun and I like, I find myself using like those creative juices in every aspect of, of thinking about my, my business and my life. Yeah. I spent a long time in learning and development. So creating a lot of content, educational content for leaders to develop. That's fantastic. Now, I love that you have a degree in organizational psychology because that's my favorite section of the bookstore. It's like the positive psychology slash business psychology. It's so funny because I was just reading an article that it's like one of the lesser known psychologies and there's this whole movement around really bringing organizational psychology to the forefront. It wasn't very popular when I was going through school either in the late 90s, but I originally went for, I was going for clinical psychology. I went to SUNY Stony Brook, which is a huge research university, and I was in their honors program. And getting into a PhD program in clinical psychology is really hard. At the time, they only took a few students each year, and you had to be really competitive. And so I was in the honors college. I did my own research. I worked for crisis hotlines. Like I was all in on this. And then when I was accepted to our grad school program, I took stock and I was like, you know what? All these psychologists that I talked to are miserable. It was like Mm -hmm. the height of the insurance company battles and stuff like that. So I was like, I'm going to pause that. And I wound up just combining my love of business and psychology and went, for industrial organizational psychology instead. One of my best friends from college actually has a PhD in, I think, in organizational psychology, but she didn't do it in the States. She did it in France. Mm-hmm. I totally butchered the name of that institution, so I'm not even going to try. We're the sellouts. That's a, that's how everybody sees us in psychology. We're oh, the really? sellouts because we, we go and make more money coming out of grad school. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, but you're the ones who write all the cool books and do all the cool things as far as, you know, because otherwise you don't get to know the good work. Yeah. The clinical stuff, it, it impacts people for sure. But I love what you're doing. So let's Thank talk you. about today's topic. Let's define what receiving is, what we're ta- what we mean by being open to receiving. Being open to receiving could, I mean, at, at its most basic level, it's about being open-minded mm. or open-bodied, right? To receive input, information from others. But most specifically, where I see it coming up and really tripping people up in business is being open to receiving money. Yes. Open to receive even results or testimonials from clients, you know, open to receiving praise. Yeah. And how that comes and really impacts your business. And this is something that I struggled with greatly in the beginning. My husband also struggled with it too. He owns his own business. And I was going through this issue with receiving money and really expanding my capacity to even receive praise or positive feedback or any of those things because I had been so notoriously hard on myself my whole life. And he was really struggling with this as well. And I tackled it from a perspective of energy and mindset and belief systems. And he went through sales training and they went through it in a very practical sense where they would 
we're told to sit in front of each other and just give and receive compliments Oh, interesting! as a way of opening to receiving. So it became a really interesting dialogue in my house for almost an entire, almost the entire year probably of 2016. We continue to work on it. It trips all people up, but I see it the most tripping up women as well. I see it in the creative fields. A lot of the clients I work with, they have a lot of trouble asking money for their art. And I see that as a receiving problem. Do you agree? Oh, yeah. So it was really interesting to watch some of the patterns in my own family where my grandfather would do really well. He would be working for Marvel and they, or he'd have a cartoon that he had a popular cartoon in one of the New York papers. It was Don Quixote and it was in syndication. But as soon as he started to make too much money, it became like, oh, I'm a sellout. I'm not doing my art. I'm doing it for the man or like whatever his belief Mm. systems were. And they'd be eating really well and they were able to pay their bills and they'd be able to pay their mortgage. And then he'd have this mindset meltdown and they'd be kind of back on this roller coaster ride of financial helter skelter, so to speak. Yeah. Cause I'm not a real artist. If I'm a doing well artist, I have to be a starving artist. And my stepmother's an artist as well. My dad has a different approach to it because my dad was never an artist. He was the son of a starving artist. So he helps his clients really price their work for what it's worth and the value that it adds. And him and my stepmother always have these super interesting conversations about how she prices her pottery and stuff like that. And so they go to shows and she puts all her stuff out and then he retags everything. Oh, good. Yeah. 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 You need somebody to do that for you. I mean, that's half what I do with my clients is I have to convince them to raise their prices. And sometimes they have a, it's a big deal even to raise it $10. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, I asked 170 I was like, what about 190 You sure? That's so much. I was like, it's only $20 more. And then I need to get them to those baby steps. So then really they should be asking 200 300 even 400 for yeah. something like that. Yeah. So why do you think that women have such a hard time? I have my own ideas, but I want to hear your perspective first. So I, I say there's two kinds of science. I say there's book science, right? Like this, if somebody's written a research paper and we have the data from that evidence, evidence base, right. right? But then we also have another kind of evidence and that's street science, And that's like the anecdotal stuff. We see it every day. We know it to be true. So I always like to say, I'm not quoting any kind of paper right now. I am just going based on street science. I think that this is, there's a lot of societal conditioning here for women around worthiness and being enough and receiving that gets tied into, and it's not just receiving money, it's receiving support. Yeah. What I see a lot with my students and my clients is that they spend their whole lives putting themselves on the back burner and putting other people's needs first and giving and giving and giving. So they're so used to giving. So that makes them very uncomfortable then to receive. Well, they think that it works. They think that there's this exchange where if I give enough, then I'll receive. Mm, That too. I think I'm guilty of that. I think that we're missing a really critical component in the fact that we're assuming somebody knows what we need. Which is one of your five strategies. Do you want to dig into that one about being willing to ask? Oh, yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of people out there in the world that believe in the law of attraction and manifesting. Mm. And then there are a lot of people who think that the law of attraction is bogus. And I'm not here to debate either point. But I have a saying that I tell all of my clients. And I say the quickest way to manifest something is to ask for it. I always feel like with the law of attraction, and we're not here to debate that at all. But there is so much of it that is science 
based. It's really about acting in this certain way and this behavior and this mindset that does lead to inspired action slash abundance mindset, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm glad you brought that up. Okay, so being able to ask. So how do you tell your clients or help your clients? What what would be a way to start doing that? You know, like when we have the benefits behind the benefits of like, say, a program that you're going through or something you're investing in. So one of the things that programs, all of my programs are rooted in is receiving, is teaching women how to receive. But I don't say, hey, come here, I'm going to teach you how to receive because people don't want to necessarily always buy that, right? But that is baked in to all of my programs. One of the things is, is that you have to ask for what you need. I'm not a mind reader and I can't support you. And we're usually working in groups in a mastermind format or community format. Nobody here can help you unless they know what you need help with. So this Mm. is a safe place for you to come and just ask. Even if your ask is, I don't know what to ask, Mm. but I'm having this issue. I don't know what to ask for. Can someone help me see what it is that I need, because there's a lot of truth in that, that we don't always know what to ask for. We don't always know the question, even the question that we might need to ask. So that's one, just I've always created this safe space where nobody's dumb. People are afraid to not have all the answers. So that stops them from asking. People are afraid to admit that they can't do something all themselves. I mean, we come from a generation of women who was raised to be incredibly independent, almost to the point where I think it works against us. Yeah. I actually have a team member who's incredibly shy and I'm always having to push her to ask me questions and make check in with her to make sure she understands because I know she doesn't, I mean, she falsely thinks that if she asks a question that I'll think she's stupid or because she didn't get something the first time. And it's always on me if she doesn't understand something. So either I didn't explain it well enough, I didn't put it in writing, I didn't give her enough instructions. So it's always on me, but it's, I know it's not just true of, of this particular team member. I know it's true of a lot of people that they're afraid of, of making themselves vulnerable vulnerable mm-hmm. by asking something they don't know. And some of us, myself is in this list of people that I never had a great grasp on what I wanted. There's that book by Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. And I always laugh because his second chapter is on desire. And I had to shut the book. I couldn't get past that mm-hmm. chapter. Like I was really stuck on wanting things because I didn't want to be high maintenance. Want to be oh, too wanting. You know, I actually never read that book. You would think I, I have because of all the other books I've read, but somehow I keep, oh, I'll, I'll get to that one. Yeah. And I got so stuck and I, it was like one of the first chapters. And I'm like, this is so curious that I have such a hard time articulating what I desire. So one of the other things that I have my clients do or that I suggest anybody doing is a journaling exercise where you just open your journal and ask for what you want. Like you don't even have to ask somebody in person. You can ask the universe, you can ask a higher power, you can ask God, whatever, just in your journal and just write it out in your journal and practice asking. That's something actually I do with one of my courses that I offer once you're painting with words, we do like a be, do, have exercise, really just everything you want. It's very similar because all the exercises I use inside that journaling class come from these exercises. It's not like I made them up necessarily. I just made made a way for people to represent it visually. By the way, I wanted to let you know that I do have room inside my Artist Incubator program. If you want to turn your passion for art into profits, but you're lacking a solid strategy or a winning mindset, I can help you. 
If you've been listening to this podcast and you found my tips helpful, then maybe it's time to take the next logical step and work with me on a deeper level. The Artist Incubator Program is for artists who are serious about earning a living from their art. I'll consider applications from those who are just starting out, but you have to be ready to be fully committed in order to grow your art business. There's no fee or commitment to apply, and those who qualify will get a free live strategy call with me. Everyone else will get a set of personalized recommendations sent to you by email. So you win no matter what. To apply, go to shulmanart.com forward slash biz. That's shulmanart.com forward slash B-I-Z. Now back to the show. I know one of the exercises you have. So this is this a third step in the strategy or is this the same strategy, which is to define what wealth looks like for you? Would you consider a, a, like yet another strategy or is that also asking for what you no, want? No, I think that you need to be able to identify what it is that you want to receive. Okay. Right. Like, well, I want more or I want abundance or I want wealth or I want, you know, I want more money. Like what does your more look like? Mm. And you have to be able to to define it clearly. And so in terms of receiving it, I like to also just write that out. I am open to receiving more income. I am open to receiving unexpected income. I'm open to receiving more time on my calendar because abundance isn't just about money. Sometimes the- True the way we feel the most abundant and the way we feel the most rich has nothing to do with money. Yeah. And I just want to make this very specific for my creative and artists because sometimes they don't always make that leap themselves, but I am open to receiving money for my art. I'm open to making more art sales. I have abundant time to create because a lot of times, and this, I see this more with my, my art students than the clients I coach to to sell their art is they don't even give them, they feel they don't have time to create because they're always putting everybody else's needs in front. And they're so used to that behavior. So that even when they have free time, they're still looking for what they can do for somebody mm-hmm. else instead of looking at what they can do for themselves. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that would be strategy number three. The fourth one that I know you talk about, which again, this is another one I do with my art journaling students is decluttering. Let's talk about that because that's one of my favorites. Decluttering for me always comes first. It's like the primer to goal setting even, the primer to to opening yourself up to receive. And it's just get rid of the stuff that you don't want anymore that's not in alignment of what you want to ask for, right? It's hard to receive things when you're so full, when you haven't emptied out your space, but also yourself, your thoughts, your your creativity, right? How can you receive more creativity if you're holding all your creativity in and not expressing it? How can you be getting things out in a way? And it could be digital decluttering, decluttering your home. Right before I started my business, it's like this big joke in my house. I went on such a bender decluttering because that was such a moment for me when I started my business that this person that is here now is not going to be here anymore. She's changing. A new person is coming. This was like a big transformation. Meaning yourself. Meaning myself. It was a huge transformation and I sold everything but the furniture. Wow. Either donate it, but also repurpose it, sell it, turn that into cash that you can use to put toward that new passion, the thing you really want the most to feel more abundant you know, whatever it is that you want to do, there's, and today there's like any number of sites, consignment websites that you can go to even to help you do that. I used to hold garage sales all the time. 
But yeah, declutter, get rid of the things that are holding those old energies or things that are standing in the way. My underwear drawer usually goes first. (laughs) You know, really? I have maternity pantyhose in there from, you know, I'm like in menopause already. You know, it's like... No, no, I don't have that now, but I but it wasn't like it was so long ago right. that I got rid of those maternity pantyhose. Like maybe it was and we don't even wear pantyhose anymore. You know, women don't even wear hose anymore, yeah. right? And then it's also I like decluttering it because the replacement isn't that expensive. You know, you go to whatever, Victoria's Secrets or whatever your favorite underwear place is, it's usually like six dollars for a new pair of underwear. Considering it's not you a keep big them deal. for like ten years too. I mean, think about right, that. Exactly, right. <laughs> Although we shouldn't, you know, isn't that what our grandmother try to teach us always have clean underwear. I always find that like an easy, satisfying thing to do because it's one drawer. It's not like that closet that you always promise you're going to clean that you don't clean. Or maybe it's just me. Are you you a neatnik? No, I'm organized. So I'm organized. I wouldn't necessarily consider myself neat. My husband is wash like the counters and like so you're organized but not not a cleaning freak so like I know where my things are they have a place I like to organize I like things to be streamlined and like be minimal I'm a minimalist so there's not much to clean but you know I made decluttering when I realized how how connected it was to receiving and to just always kind of emptying out and making this space for the new Every Monday morning for 15 minutes, I just declutter something in my house. Oh, that's great. Can you give us ideas of what that would be? By the way, I am not a very organized or neat person. I am clean, but I'm not very organized. My digital life is organized, but my physical space is not. Yeah. So give us some ideas since I have not. So for me too, I'm very sensitive to energy. I don't know if you have any listeners. I'm sure you have some listeners who are sensitive to energy as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So one of the reasons why I do it on Monday morning is because it's like my way of cleansing the house because the family has left and gone back to school and I work from Mm -hmm. home. So I need to have like, I need to do like a clearing of the energy. And I say I take 15 minutes, but I usually take like a half hour just because I enjoy it. I say 15 minutes if you're really resistant to it, just set a timer. It's amazing what you can get done in 15 minutes. Usually the biggest culprit is like the junk drawer in the kitchen. That's just every time you go into it and like you're jamming the draw back in or your underwear draw or your clothes that are hanging in your closet or your desk where you're working. Just pick one spot or like a bookshelf, right? Don't go crazy town. You're doing it once a week, every week. So you're just going to cycle through and you're not going to get it wrong. That's the other thing. I don't want to do it wrong. I need to get it right. Like it needs to be perfect, right? No, it doesn't clear the energy of one area. And it doesn't matter if that area is in your art studio or your office, right? It's just the physical act of doing some decluttering that sets you up mentally. For me, absolutely. Lighting a candle that you might like or lighting incense to kind of cleanse the area and just declutter and change, shift the energy of the space. A lot of artists like to burn sage. sage. That's great. Okay, so let's run down and then we'll dive maybe into another one. Let's run down the five different strategies, even if we have to repeat one of the Mm -hmm. ones we've already talked about. Decluttering, we just talked about it. We talked about defining, defining it, define it, always define it, right? So define what abundance looks like for you. We really struggle to make things tangible and real because we don't take the time to define something. In organizational psychology, we talk about, or in psychology and research, we talk about it operationalizing it. To me, that means make it tangible, give it your own definition. Just because a word might mean something in the dictionary doesn't mean you can't give it your own definition or Mm -hmm. energy to it. 
So whether it's abundance or more or wealth or rich, what does that mean to you is what definite means. A lot of times we hear, for example, you can have it all. And that gets really triggering for women. And I say, you can absolutely have it all when you define what your all is, right? Mm. Define it. We talked about ask, practice asking. The quickest way to manifest something is to simply ask for it. Find proof that one we didn't cover. Find proof. No, let's talk about Mm -hmm. that and what that means. So I do an exercise. It's like it's a couple of days in a row in my journal when I really want to kind of look at my receiving. And so the first thing I do is maybe on a Sunday or a Monday, whatever your or whenever your week starts. I know sometimes that everybody's week starts at a different time, but at that start of the week, write a letter to whoever you believe in the universe, a higher power, God, Allah, whoever. Write a letter to just this higher being and ask for what you want. Ask for all the things that you want to see for yourself that week. It can be tangible. It can be intangible. We talked about some of them because you were saying more money from my art or a lot of times I'll ask for engagement on my social media or engagement on my podcast or a podcast review. So just ask for what you want. Be really specific. So then the next day I take that list and I look at it. And then I write that I am open to receiving statements. For me, writing things repetitively really helps like work it through my body and embody it. So I am open to receiving. I am open to receiving. I am open to receiving. For every ask you make, write that you are open to receiving. And then you need to follow it up with looking for proof. So for the next few days that come after that, look for the evidence that this is showing up for Mm. you. Mm. Find it because so often we push away what we actually are receiving. We don't acknowledge it. We don't mm. take it in. So look for that evidence and write it down so you can remember because at the end of the week, when you go and you review, do your review for the week, you don't go, oh, I didn't get any of this. <laughs> right. Right. Or maybe something didn't show up on that day. So you're like, your brain is in recency mode and- on the Friday that you go to review your week, you didn't receive anything. But on the days before that, you really did. So you think it's important for people to write their wins down as they come along oh, yeah. or these like these proofs as they yeah. come because you'll forget. You'll forget them. Okay. You won't want to see them. What do you mean you won't want to see them? People resist the things they're receiving because they don't come through exactly how they expect it to come in. Or it's not tangibly measurable. Is it also because we have a negativity bias too? Like we're looking for the negative rather than the positive? Oh, yeah. Okay, so we, that would be strategy number four, I, yep, right? To look for proof. Mm-hmm. What's number five? Practice. Ah. I think that people really underestimate. Well, maybe I bet you your crew probably doesn't because they're artists, right? And they know the practice that goes into mastering their medium or, you know, their creation process. No, but they need to be reminded because I can't tell you how many people like will be in a class and they're learning a new skill and they expect the first time, whatever it happens to be, paint a portrait that it looks like something that would hang in a museum. And I have to remind them, well, first of all, Things that hang in a museum, artists burn things they don't like along the way. Like Monet destroyed a lot of art at the end of his life. Van Gogh was always painting over his canvases. So if you expect everything you create to be museum worthy, you're holding yourself to a higher standard than Monet and Van Gogh. 
And so they always, they do need to be reminded that practice is part of it, that not to hold themselves to this expectation of the first time that they do something, it's going to be mastered. Yeah. So it's really about practicing, whether it's you're going to, you know, practice this ask, receive, find proof method Mm -hmm. in your journal for the next 30 to 60 days or take a hundred day challenge and do it every day for a hundred days. That's practice, right? Or you're going to declutter, right? And you're going to go on some kind of decluttering challenge or, you know, you're going to declutter every Monday for the next 20 weeks. You know, one of the things that my husband had to practice in sales training was receiving compliments. And that is something that is really hard, but fun to do. So if you grab a friend or you grab your partner or anything and you sit down, you grab a kid, you're one of your kids and you sit down and you give them 10 compliments and they're not supposed to say anything, but thank you. Oh, I love that. And then you, it's your turn that to receive those compliments and to say thank you and to feel how uncomfortable you are mm. receiving those compliments and that those praise and that acknowledgement. Because listen, if you're an artist and you're you're like nobody's acknowledging my work, but you can't receive acknowledgement because you're uncomfortable, I bet you you're receiving acknowledgement that you're rejecting. Right, that you're not like letting yourself mm-hmm. hear, or you hear it and you dismiss mm-hmm. it for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. I agree with yep. that. So this has been super valuable, Tara. I'm so glad that I had you on. Now, I wanted to wrap this up for my listeners. So first of all, I want to remind them that they can connect with you, Tara, at the Tara Newman and to listen to your podcast. So the podcast is the Bold Leadership Revolution podcast. And you can find that uh, on, of course, all the podcast places, as well as the boldleadershiprevolution.com. I'm going to definitely link to a few specific episodes about like what we've talked about today, but also some of those journaling exercises that I know you do with your clients at the beginning mm-hmm. of the year, like the Wheel of Life, because I, I know they're going to love it. By the way, we're going to also put all these links in the show notes, shulmanart.com forward slash 78. And I promised you video to go along with this where I am going to be creating a visual journal page using the wheel of life. All right, Tara. So do you have any last words for my listeners before we call this podcast complete? Yeah. I want to remind everyone that the quickest way to manifest something is to ask for it. I love that. All right, Tara. So thanks again for being with me here today. And for everyone else, I will see you here same time, same place next week. Make it a great one. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Inspiration Place podcast. Connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash shulmanart, on Instagram at shulmanart, and of course on shulmanart.com. If you liked this episode, then you have to check out The Artist Incubator. It's my small group program for emerging artists who want to make more money from their art. The program is by application only. To apply, go to shulmanart.com forward slash biz. That's biz as in B-I-Z. If you qualify for a free strategy session, you'll get my eyes on your art business absolutely free. And we'll discuss the steps you need to take to make 2020 your best year ever.